When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with L.A. Nick, co-host Catherine Brandt, and Andy Brandt-Bernard. And we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. We'll kick things off with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Tommy, it's quiz time. Ooh, I love quiz time. Let me guess. Breck called and they want their diploma back. Easy. I earned that fair and square. In fact, it's right. Ah, well, look what you made me do. Sorry. So what's the question? So you've heard about the new car inventory shortages, right? Yeah, you've mentioned it about a million times. Guess how many 2021 Rogues we have in stock at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan? Mm, seven. Close. The actual number is 209. A lot of Nissan dealers are really low, but we're in good shape for the next month or so. So there's no reason to hurry? That's not great messaging. How about don't dawdle? There's a word you don't hear often there, Monty Burns. Yeah, funny. Anyway, the all-new 2021 Rogue is a great vehicle, and we're lucky enough to have a bunch. We've got great leases, and they all come with Walzer Care, which is a 10-year warranty for free. But wait, there's more. Read this. Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan want your trade and will give you an extra $1,000. That's pretty cool. Go to Coon Rapids Nissan or WalzerNissan.com for details. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, president at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company. As a community bank based right here in the Twin Cities, we believe in taking the time to get to know our customers and their businesses. And part of that is hiring and cultivating a team of experienced lenders when your business banks with us, you're not training in a new, inexperienced banker. In fact, our bankers have worked with many of the same customers for years, earning their trust. We get to know you and your business, and you get to know and rely upon us. When your business is looking to capitalize on an opportunity or solve a problem, we'll be here to help you. Tom here. I know Brad and Mike, and I trust that with my banking, they've personally delivered on everything they've just said. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. We are. It's all true. We're back. God, I get weird. I, I, I'm getting to the point now when I used to, I used to get upset reading the news, but now I just read it and I laugh at how psychotic I'm people telling you, gotten. that's all you can do. That's all you can do is a, some guy, there's a law firm up in St. Cloud that's got a, their tit in a ringer. 
because and they it's fired. not Michael Bryant. No, it's not Michael Bryant. No, <laughs> absolutely not. They fired three people because they found out they voted for Donald Trump. I don't know how you can get fired for you that. You can't get fired for that. There's going to be a lawsuit, I guarantee it. They, he fired them for their political, their pro-Trump well, political beliefs. You see, they made him hire that teacher back yesterday. Oh, the one, yeah, yeah, they did, yeah. They made him hire him back. It's got to stop. I mean, this stuff, why do people want to be this miserable? That's the part I don't get. Why do you want to well, be that miserable? Well, it's, it's fueled by the media. That's the media true. fuels it, it. Yeah, it is. You know, the division of this country, which I thought was going to stop when Biden became president because he's... I mean, he ran on that yeah. we were going to unite. He's sure. their guy. But we're not uniting. No. Indeed. We have Ken on the phone. I blame Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Woodrow Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, America's most successful career developer shows you how to secure a personally suited jobs and achieve your professional goals by following easy and effective steps. Ken Linder, our special guest. Ken, i got to tell you something. I do a... Uh, a morning show in the local market here as well. And I was talking about this this morning because, you know, I said, look, if you really want to achieve something and you want to be successful in America, you can do it. And I use myself as an example. I never went, I went to college for one day. I never finished high school. I grew up very, very poor and things worked out. So I'm just telling you, if I can do it, anybody can do it. You feel the same way, Ken? I absolutely feel the same way, Tom, and yeah. it's a pleasure to be with you and your listeners. Well, it's nice um, to have you on, Ken. I, I so agree. And in fact, you know, the definition of career choreography, it's a, it's a term that I trademark, is that there is a logical set of steps that anyone can take yep. to put the percentages in their favor that they will attain their professional goals and live their professional dreams. You just have to figure out what those right strategic steps are. And obviously, you not only took the right steps, Tom, but you found the right job for you. Yes. Which yep. allows you to shine, which allows you to be everything you can be. So how wonderful is that? No, it is, absolutely. And I, and I, I said to people, like, look, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And I'm not, you know, trying to be... You know, humble, that's not what I'm talking about. It's true. I, You know, the one thing that I did, Ken, without, well, and I, you know, I, at least in my own head, I didn't feel this way. I, I kind of showed them I could do this in a heartbeat without being arrogant about it. When I did job interviews, I go, oh, yeah, I could do this. That's not a problem at all. Instead of going, yeah, well, I could do anything. No, you, this specific job, you need me to do this, I can do this, no problem. It works like a charm, Ken. Well, you know, one of the things that everybody gravitates toward is confidence. Yep. I mean, if, if an employer senses your confidence, that is a huge positive. Hopefully now you can deliver once you say that. <laughs> That'd but be the good. Is <laughs> that confidence, being prepared for an interview, doing your homework, um, all of those things send incredible messages to prospective employers and in fact you know most of the time employers are hiring potential where they see where somebody is at the point of them hiring them and where they can grow and if, if people feel that you have tremendous growth potential uh, it makes all the difference in the world uh, between getting a job and, and not getting that job no doubt the book, Career Choreography, Your Step-by-Step Guide to Finding the Right Job and Achieving Huge Success and Happiness. It is available on Amazon. It's available everywhere, as a matter of fact. Ken Linder, uh, L-I-N-D-N-E-R, Ken Linder, um, talking about this whole situation. And again, it's not a cockiness thing that, that Ken and I are talking about. It's a confidence thing. There's a big difference between being cocky and being confident. I so agree. And... You know, confidence sends really great messages. You know, I've always believed, because I am an employer, and I do uh, interview people for jobs, and one of the things I've always believed, Tom, is that how somebody represents themselves in an interview with me is how they're going to represent my company. Yep. Yep. So if they are confident, if they're comfortable in their own skin, if they do their own homework, 
if they're excited, uh, if they are forward-thinking, adaptable, that sends all the right messages to me. So, you know, being confident, uh, and by the way, backing it up with having done your homework about the company and maybe even the person you're interviewing with, sends all sorts of great messages to a prospective employer. Yeah, there's no question about that. I, I just look. I've been very lucky. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's, there is. I suppose a luck element. Just making contact with the right people, whether it was in radio or in voiceover, or I was in the record business. I worked at Capitol for six, seven years. Uh, actually, I became a, a, a vice president of uh, regional vice president of Capitol at 25 years old. So I mean, it was just wonderful. It was just oh, a what a great thrill. company to work for. Well, they had the Beatles, Ken. that Capital has between the Beatles and the they, Beach Boys the, what and Frank a company Sinatra, they, I mean. What a great company they were to work for. They were, yeah. <laughs> not, not anymore, man. It's not a whole anymore. different business. It's a whole different business now, no doubt. So, Ken, where'd you, where, where, where did you grow up? How did you get started? Well, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I knew that. <laughs> I knew that as soon as you came on the show. Like it. He's you from Philadelphia, you can uh, take what is it? You can take the boy out of Brooklyn, but you can't take uh, Brooklyn out of the boy. Yeah, pretty so much. So I, um, I was uh, this overweight, uh, awkward kid, and luckily through athletics, I bonded with my dad, and I've learned more on the athletic field than I have in any classroom. Although I've gone to some great schools, and started at the William Morris Agency as an attorney and then became a, uh, a representative for newscasters across the country. I represent people like Lester Holt and, uh, and hosts like Mario Lopez. Mm-hmm. And uh, through the years, I've helped thousands upon thousands of broadcasters and people in all areas identify the right job for them, the job that helps them take the best advantage of their skill sets, their professional passion, what they love to do, um, their educational and work backgrounds, and also what they don't want to do. And I have them fill out what I call clarifying lists, which is what I talk about in, in career choreography, so that you can hone in on exactly what it is that will make your heart sing, find the right vehicle for you, uh, the right job for you, and then help you secure it. So over the past 35 years, literally, I've helped thousands upon thousands of people find the right opportunities for them. And when the uh, pandemic hit, I thought this is the time for me to write this book, give people actionable, achievable steps that they can take to get into the workforce if, for example, you're just graduating from school, or get back into the workforce if you've been laid off or you need a second act. And uh, I thought this was my chance, Tom, to be of service to everyone out there. So I wrote the book. I would think right now, too, after the pandemic, this is like the perfect time to reinvent your life and reinvent a career. Mm-hmm. Because you yeah. can get in, you don't have to get in at the bottom level anymore. You can get in mid-level right now because they can't, they, people don't want to go. So just if you just showed up, you would get the job. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so it's a good time to, to get a new job right now, I think. I so agree with you. I mean... There's so many stories out there right now saying that employers can't find people to work. And whether that is because people are still a little nervous about the pandemic or COVID, or I think more importantly, I think people um, are getting unemployment benefits and they'd rather stay home and make as much money or more staying home, maybe being with their families, maybe watching over their children. And when the unemployment benefits run out, then they will seek employment. But it's Right now, it's an amazing time for people who are graduating school to get into that workforce because employers are hungry yep. to find people. And in some instances, they'll even pay a premium. But this is your chance. It's the Wild West. As, as you said, uh, you know, there's a huge reset out there because of the pandemic. And this is everyone's chance to figure out what they really want, get on the right career course, find a work-life balance that suits them, and as I said, find the right job in which they can shine. Do you think most people can, can clearly understand? I'll give you an example I'm talking about, Ken. Uh, when I was at, at Capitol, the, the, when I started there, 
1977, I think it was the, yeah, I think, was it 70, I think, yeah, it was 1970, yeah, it was, because I was 25 years old, 1977, I started there, and about the first month, there was a guy that was really difficult to deal with, he was, he was down in Nebraska, in Omaha, and he was very, very difficult to deal with, and finally, after a couple of weeks, I'm two weeks into the job, I get a call from uh, Bruce Wendell, who is the executive vice president of Capitol Records in the old Capitol Tower out in Los Angeles. He calls me, he goes, hey, Tommy. He's from Philadelphia, actually. He called me, he goes, hey, Tommy, how you doing? I said, not too bad. How you doing, Bruce? He goes, i got to ask you a question, Tommy. I say, what's that? And he goes, did you tell so-and-so in Omaha to go F himself? I said, yeah, I did, Bruce. He goes, I'm going to give you more territory. And hung up. Because <laughs> this guy had been that such a pain funny. in the yeah, well, the guy was such a pain in the ass to all the previous people. I finally said, well, go screw yourself, you loser. And, and, and Wendell loved it. He, he said, that's the way the guy needs to be handled. Back, How you read that Back so then you could do that. Yeah, no, you probably couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> you might be right about that. But he said, you know, but he, later on, I, you know, I got together with him at a convention, a Capitol Records convention. He said, the reason I did that is because you made the right choice. The guy was going to be a massive pain in the ass. He was trying to put you in an untenable situation. You would have, if you had caved into him, you would have never, ever gotten around it. So the fact that you could read that the best way to go was to tell the guy to go f himself. That he he liked that. He liked it a lot. Well, you know, you bring up such an important point, and that is, it's really important to a communicate with people on a level or in a way that um, is optimally effective. And B, it's really important, again, to do your homework to know how to meet others' expectations, especially your employer's expectations. Because if you can um, meet or exceed expectations, you know you're going to do well. Well, you obviously read uh, uh, that person uh, that person well, and uh, you you came up with the right choice. You know, it's really interesting. I had a client years ago who was, I think, it was in San Francisco, and and he went and got new clothes, and he went and got a new haircut, and. And all of that, and he thought he was going to impress his employer. Right. The employer called me the next day and said, "You know what? I hate the clothes. I hate the haircut. I hired this person. I don't want some new person." And 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 my client got reamed out by their general manager. He called me and said, "You know what? The general manager just doesn't get it. He's never happy. I can never make him happy." Right. And I said, "You know what? Let's step back from this for a second. And as they say, unpack it. So, you know, if you buy your employer sushi and he hates sushi, <laughs> you're not going to get the desired effect. You're not going to get the results you're looking for. Right. The key is ask your employer ahead of time or do your homework ahead of time. Know what that employer really values. If your employer loves Italian food, get him Italian food. Don't get him something he doesn't want. Right. Don't get a haircut. Don't get clothes uh, without asking someone there. Uh, before you do it, so you know. And it's so important to understand where people are and meet them where they are. And you did that. Yeah, I mean, it, it just worked out really, really well. It was a, a roll of the dice, because you never know, because I didn't really know anybody at Capital all that well, how they would react, but I just figured this guy was never, ever going to stop driving me nuts if I let him get away this first time. So the first time I learned that, you know, from where I grew up, just get it done the first time. As soon as it, uh, you know, it seems an untenable situation, go after it, address it, get past it, which is what we did. And I ended up working with the guy for several years, and he was fine after that. Once it's only sometimes goes through, you got to set the tone. Yeah, you got to set exactly the tone. Right. Yeah. That's exactly it. And you obviously had good instincts because you didn't really know it was going to work. You, in essence, right. thought it might work, or you're. Your basic, your gut told you it might work, and, and that's, you know, obviously that was very successful for you. Yeah, that's typical Tom to tell somebody to go. Ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I don't know about that, but uh, no. But I, I, the other thing about it, Ken, is that the, the people always knew, and I love it when I meet people like this. That if you ever need any help, just give me a call. If I can help, I will help. 
there are not that many people right now, Ken, that offer to do that. They they don't want to help anybody. I got my life and you got yours, and I, I don't want to help anybody. Uh, what happened, do you think, Ken? You know, I don't know. I think a lot of people, uh, first of all, I think are insecure. Yeah. There are so many executives who won't hire somebody who are threats to them because they don't want to lose their job to them. But the key is a really great executive hires wonderful people under them uh, because you want the best staff possible. So there's a lot of insecurity, uh, obviously. I think that's, that's basically it. People are insecure. They don't want to offer people information because who knows? Uh, maybe it will come back to hurt them one day. You never know. Uh, I don't know if it's that they're selfish. Uh, I, just, I just don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I, I think insecure is the biggest problem with the yeah. average person. Yep, I think so. In any in any country, it doesn't matter where you go in the world, insecurity is a big thing. Yeah, you know, I wrote I wrote a book years ago called Your Killer Emotions and it's and basically the thesis is when you're angry, when you're sad, when you're hurt, when you feel disrespected, when you feel lonely, needy, um, you're enraged. Don't make a decision. Don't act. Don't press the send button. Step back, cool off, and figure out what you really want to secure from the interaction that you're dealing with. And uh, I found that more people dealt with uh, or made decisions and acted when they you know, were enveloped by their potentially toxic emotions. Yeah, I think we all learned that the hard way in this yeah, room. Yeah, <laughs> Me and Tom definitely have. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that is a definite. Uh, I always wait till the next day. You know, one thing I I, I, I love. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, next waiting day. waiting a day is a really yeah. really good and then, idea. And then go in there with a bulldozer. <laughs> you know, another thing that I learned very, I was, you know, Ken, I, I got to tell you, the people that I grew up around were very very helpful to me. But you have to pay attention to what they're doing. I worked with a guy named John Lastman, and John's father was a professor over at the University of Minnesota, and he used to say this all the time, and I went, I think that's one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard anybody do, because it sets such a friendly tone while making your position uh, very strong. He always said this, so I started using this line, and it always worked, Ken. When there was a big problem and people were, oh, my God, what are we going to do with this? Oh, geez, it's going to be terrible. This, I don't know what we're going to do. I would do what Mr. Lastman used to say to me. I'd go, well, what I would do and what I think you should do, <laughs> and it works every time, Ken. I, I, was so, I was so grateful for learning that from Mr. Lastman. What I would do and what I think you should do works like a charm. Well, you know, you bring up another great point, Tom. And I talk about this in career choreography. One of the ways... You know, you grow your skill set, you grow your knowledge, you hone your intuition. Is by emulating people who are successful. Yes, yes, people yes. who um, who make who who do the right thing in your eyes. I mean, there are those role models who are great. And you know, I used to play a lot of competitive tennis. And if somebody hit their backhand in a way that was I felt was better than mine, or volleyed, or or played a point a certain way, set up a certain point a certain way, um, I would emulate them. I try to learn from the best. And you learn from the best. And I think that's a great way to grow really quickly and effectively. Be a student of life and be a student of others and, and learn from them. Uh, there's a lot to learn uh, from a lot of people. And if you can do that, I think it's incredibly helpful. I think something I learned that, that made it my life different instantly, and I'd learned it myself. No one taught it to me. I just figured it out one day. Instead of saying you and I when in bad situations, always use the word we. We. Uh, and it yeah. changed. I was running a, yep. a, a pretty medium-sized business, and if somebody did something wrong, I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did this, and and, and you, you messed this up. And, right. you know, and So I started saying we. We need to do something be- different. We need to do better. this better. Yep. We need yep. to fix this. Not you need to fix this, yep. but we need to fix this. Once I started using the word we, I got a totally different results from my employees. They acted different. Because it was more well, of a you know, team. What you said was so interesting because 
if if you're saying, you know, you should have done this differently, or as opposed to we could have done this differently, or yeah, um, you don't push blame. Is, you're not yeah. blaming that person, yeah. and you're you're making it more of a a team, a right. more of a collegial. But I took that I took that lesson and started using it in regular life, and. It, it made my life different. It did. It, it made my life a lot easier. I don't get in arguments as much with people. Right. And it just made things easier. Uh, there's no question about it. And I think it's, it, that's a great idea. Uh, I think more people can, you know, so many people can learn from that because it's all about bringing people to you, making them comfortable, not making them defensive. Uh, I talk about that in career choreography uh, with regard to strategies to um, make the sum bigger than the parts and motivate people to go beyond what they normally would do and not making them defensive, not using the word you, using the word we, um, is a great example of that. No, I agree with that. I think it, you always want to kind of, hey, we're in this together, and if we're in this together, then we need to find a solution. And I did it Absolutely. by accident one day. I said we by oh, accident, and everyone acted differently. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this works. And then I started using it. I switched I like it, from, it from my company to using it in regular day life. And it, it actually does work. So that, he, oh, yeah. he said it the perfect way. You're not putting blame on anyone by saying yeah. we. Although Christopher Walken had the best opposite of that, which works as well. Christopher Walken <laughs> once said, look, you need to do this or I'll do some damage you won't walk away from. <laughs> which also works, Ken, by the way, I bet. I've never done it, but I bet it works. Uh, I'm, I'm, not sure it's, uh, I'm not sure it's an HR favorite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Ken, do you have another 10 minutes? With, uh, we got another 10 minutes. Can you stay with us for 10 more? I can absolutely stay with you. Be a pleasure. Okay, we'll just take a very, very quick break. Be right back. More with Ken Lindner. The book is called Career Choreography, Your Step-by-Step Guide to Finding the Right Job and Achieving Huge Success and Happiness. And that is the key. We're going to talk happiness right after this with Ken Lindner. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. Well, he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his new My Slippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop. The My Slippers are designed to wear indoor and outdoor all day long. Made with My Pillow foam and Impact Gel to help prevent fatigue, and made with quality leather suede. For a limited time, Mike is offering 40% off his new My Slippers. The My Slippers are so comfortable, you'll want to get some for the whole family, which is what we did. Call 1 800 516 5146 or use promo code TOM, of course. 1 800 516 5146. Use promo code TOM or go to mypillow.com. Click on the radio listener square and use promo code TOM. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including. The Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Call 1-800-516-5146. Use promo code TOM. Dan Chesky is here from Dan Southside Marine to talk boats in February. 2021 is all about boat inventory or the lack thereof. Dan's has what you're looking for in the color and model you want. So get in and take advantage of the factory incentives and discounts February offers. Why should our listeners shop for a fishing boat at Dan's Southside Marine? We have the latest models on display, like the new Revolution. It features rotational seating from Premier Marine and the new Lumacraft FSX crossover fishing ski. Both are getting tons of attention and grabbing sales from the competition. Dan's Southside Marine is packed with pontoons from Avalon, Berkshire, and Premier with all the rebates and incentives we mentioned at the top. Get the family out this weekend and come see these amazing pontoons. And be sure to ask about custom-rigged Alumacraft fishing boats this weekend at Dan's Southside Marine during our February open house. Dan's Southside Marine, six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Shop online at danssouthsidemarine.com. What's more important than reliable plumbing? Having someone you can rely on in case it ever needs attention. Hi, Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Look, you don't want to mess around with leaks or shoddy installation or repair when it comes to plumbing. Sabre is the largest installer of Moen fixtures and Ream water heaters in Minnesota. They're dependable pros who get the job done right. So when plumbing happens, call Sabre or visit SabreHeating.com. Hey, 
We are back, ladies and gentlemen. The book is called Career Choreography, Your Step-by-Step Guide to Finding the Right Job and Achieving Huge Success and Happiness. And that's what I'd like to talk to Ken Lindner about now. L-I-N-D-N-E-R. Ken Lindner, the uh, author of the book Career Choreography. Let's talk about happiness. Um, it Right now, Ken, it just seemed, we were just talking about this before the show started, as a matter of fact, that everybody is so miserable and going after people. And my God, you upset me, and oh, you're like, Shooting people, you. for driving Shooting the, people. For, for driving in front of them. <laughs> Why have we lost focus on what happiness is all about, Ken? What, what happened? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think people don't take the time, as I talk about in career choreography, the quiet time to think about what they really want from their jobs and in their lives. It's really important to dig down deep. So many people take jobs because they need the paycheck or they fell into this job or their spouse, partner, friend, mother, father had expectations for them and they sort of got forced into um, a career path or a job that that's just not suited for them. Mm-hmm. You know, when I listen to both of you, you're, you're having a great time on this radio, on this podcast, I yep. should say. Love it. And, you know, you can tell you're engaged, you're having fun. And, you know, there's this saying, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. I'm blessed to feel that way. It's one of the reasons why I wrote Career Choreography, because I feel so few people... Um, are really doing, A, what they love, B, what they're really good at, and three, you know, jobs that make them feel good about themselves at the end of the day. And I think it's really important to meet those three criteria. Um, And that is find a job that you love, find a job that you're good at, and find a job that you believe in. That makes you feel, you know, like you're really contributing. That you're really productive. I think those are really important to do, and I think people are unhappy. And I think this is an amazing time, with all of the flux going on in our working world, to make a great professional pivot. And also, I think uh, people are going to be happy, uh, unhappy, and and sort of reluctant to go back to work because they've gotten used to working from home. And I think they got very comfortable with yeah, that. Yeah. And I think it's going to be very hard for a lot of people to go back to the office five days a week uh, and not be at home. You know, maybe there's a way to to mix the two and find a uh, you know happy medium between working remotely and working in the office. I think employers are much more uh, amenable to to something like that. So I think it's really important to take quiet time and really make a list of the things you would love to do, envision them, get excited about what you could do with your working life. Because, you know, you spend so much of your life working, you might as well make it as great as it can be. Yeah. But I I have a question. I agree with everything you're saying, but that comes at a certain point in someone's career. A lot of people have to start doing some sort of grunt stuff to get where yeah. they need to go. I don't know. Right, right now, maybe not. Well, maybe not right now. But generally, I mean, people need to start something and start somewhere. And I, I mean, I know a lot of people that hire. And they're having people come in that have zero experience. They've just popped out of college with some sort of, you know, degree that doesn't really prepare them for anything and they and they expect to get you know they want they want a life work balance they want 85 grand a year they want (laughs) to start they want an they want yeah they want a secretary they want you know people to work under them it's like you don't know anything about anything in this industry yet and yet they're expecting all of this so sometimes i i think that all of what you're saying makes sense at a certain stage in your life, and maybe... I, I agree with okay. you wholeheartedly, but I think there's, there are strategies, for example, which I talk about specifically in career choreography, that sort of um, address what you're saying, which is so valid. And that is, or those are, one, I think it's important at least to figure out what's in your strike zone. Apply for jobs and in co- or for companies to work in companies that do what you would like to do. At least 
find, think about the area that would make you excited to go to work every day. I'm not saying you'll get the job that will make you excited to go to work every day, because everybody has to start, almost, well, most everybody has to start at the bottom or someplace where they really have to do the crunt work and all of that. But here's an example. Um, a young lady years ago came to me, we'll call her Heidi, and her goal was to be immersed in the art world. And she loves art, but, you know, she's this college student. What do I do? So I asked her to write a clarifying list, which was, you know, what do you love to do? What are you good at? What are your skill sets? And I found that she loved art, but she also was an excellent writer. So I suggested that she, even though, and she told me she didn't want to write, uh, you know, full time down the road, but she would use it as a way to get into the workforce. So I suggested maybe she write for an art magazine. This way, at least, even if she, you know, had to work really hard and made no money really at the beginning, she was getting herself into an area that she was excited about. And it worked. She got a, uh, a job for very little money working for uh, an art magazine. She wrote and wrote for them. And then a couple of years later, she wound up doing an interview with somebody who owned an art gallery. He thought she had a lot of passion and knew a lot about art. He wound up hiring her as an assistant art gallery manager. Well, years later... She made contacts, it evolved. Somebody hired her to run an art gallery. And then a couple of years later, she became co-owner of that art Ooh, gallery. I like that. And it met all of her criteria in that clarifying list because the criteria were, um, I love art, I want to be immersed in art, I want to do charity events, um, I would love to own an art gallery, all of those things. Um, so. This is an example of somebody who at least went into an area which had the potential to make their heart sing and then worked themselves up uh, in that area to attain what she loved. So I agree, you can't automatically walk out of school and get the ideal job, but there is a strategy right. for at least putting yourself in a position to work for a company or in an area that you have the potential to really love. Well, thanks for saying that, because that's what these uh, the people that I know that are in hiring are seeing, is people that don't, they don't have a plan. They just want to come out and get everything. And then they don't make great employees because they're resentful right. that they thought that they were supposed to start out in mid-level, top-level, you know, jobs. I had a great, the greatest plan. I was going to get a job as a mattress tester. And I, my, I would, I would get paid while, while I was sleeping. Wake up, my workday would be over. Oh, God. And they, they have to have them, right? There has to be somebody that tests mattresses. You sleep in it, see if it's comfortable. Yeah. And I'm a very picky sleeper. I, I have to have a really nice mattress. Yeah. So I, you wake up, you get workdays over, and you go live your life. Did it work out? No, I couldn't find a job. <laughs> you couldn't find a position. I couldn't what find happened? a position. But somebody has to have that position. There has to be and human mattress testers. Looking at an area that would uh, that would make you excited and happy and well rested. I am not <laughs> telling you that is the win. perfect job in the world for you. You wake up and your your work day's over. Work day's over, baby. I kind of do that on the radio you, in the morning. You get paid to sleep. Uh, I don't know how much that pays. <laughs> yes. It has, it has to be at least 15 bucks an hour now in most cities. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. true. You're absolutely right. <laughs> you know, one thing, I, I, we've only got about a minute left, Kim. One thing I do want to point out is that uh, I do a morning show in town locally. And, uh, on that show this morning, we had a story about uh, that asked people, how much money would you have to have per year to make you happy? And I was very shocked by the answer. 61% of people said $50,000 a year. Which really kind of shocked me. I thought people would go, well, it's at least a million dollars. I'd have to have 150 a year. 150? Yeah, well, there just, you go. Just to live. Yeah, I understand. But, I mean, I thought that was kind of good news that people can be happy at $50,000 a year. Don't you think that's great news, Ken? I think that is great news because 
what goes along with that is, I mean, it's certainly, you know, a very good salary. But the thing is, you're not only thinking about money, which will allow right. you to hopefully find, you know, that balance of working in an area that makes you really happy and makes you feel fulfilled, but yet you can make enough money to have that balance. But what uh, I, look, I, look at, that so, I look at retirement, want to make though. so much money that they just sell themselves out for the money and don't care what they do. Yep. Right. Yeah, that's true. People do and do that. Miserable. I know a lot of people that make a lot of money that are the most miserable people on earth. No doubt about it. <laughs> They're miserable. No doubt about hate, it. Because they hate their job. Yep, it's true. Ken Linder, L-I-N-D-N-E-R. The book is called Career Choreography, Your Step-by-Step Guide to Finding the Right Job and Achieving Huge Success. And don't forget, happiness. Ken, you're a terrific guest. Thank yeah, you, you so much. Yeah, you are. I, I, always, really I thought are. you were on the show before. I'm like, this guy's too familiar. Like, you, your voice is familiar. Everything about you is familiar. Yeah. Me and Tom both swore you were on the show before, but but come back. So now you got to come back, yeah. Ken. That's the that's the key. It's my pleasure. I love being with all of you. This was great. Thank you, sir. Have a wonderful day, Ken. Okay. Thank you Thanks. so much. Bye. Ken Lindner, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Scott Lindner, of course, my uh, agent when I lived in New York. Remember Scott? Yes, I do. Crazy Scott. Yeah. Crazy God. Scott. Oh, God, he was such a great guy. He was. People don't start calling me Crazy Alex at some point in my life. <laughs> well, no. I've Scott done, was definitely done behind your back. Well, definitely crazy. Touch my face. I love that. I loved the guy. He was just a magnificent. Crazy He was person. a wonderful guy. But in any case, oh, Catherine, I have to ask you a question. Yeah. And I don't know that I have the name right. Mm-hmm. But did you go to Golden Valley High School? Well, I think the guy's name was like Adam Ferrer or something like that. Adam Ferrer, Ferrer. Guy Fietti. Guy Fietti. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Golden Valley High School. Check. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I could name like four people I went to school with, and that was only 15 years ago. So Adam like, Ferretti? No. Ferrer, 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 Ferrer. Ferrara. There were some Ferraras. Ferrara. Yeah, that, I think that Adam Ferrara, Andy uh, Ferrara. I remember an Andy. Alan Ferrara. Who? Uh, why why is this person that you don't even know their yeah, name? We need context. There were Ferraras. Well, Whether there were one or so two, I don't remember. this out. Because there was a Ferrara, at least. No, that's... <laughs> Tony Lee yeah. uh, was at... I don't remember what the hell he was at. Oh, he's at a kid's uh, high school or not, some kind of sporting event for his kids. Okay. And there was a guy who came over and said, are you Tony Lee? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, would you tell Tom that I went to high school with his wife? Well, so then, yeah, she did. <clears throat> at Golden Valley. And he said this about you. Uh-oh. Don't believe a word of it. <laughs> Don't believe a word. It's all lies. Don't believe any of it. Could be something nice. Uh-huh. He said, <laughs> "Maybe." <laughs> I will never forget Catherine or your Kathy. I think that you were known as Kathy uh, back then. Kathy. I will never forget Kathy because she was this very pretty young girl, and she was very kind of shy and quiet. Uh, I don't think you got the right person. I think you got the wrong Kathy. Ever been shy or quiet? Grade school or high school? High school. I don't think I was ever shy or quiet, but okay. You could have been quiet. I could have been a class. I could have had a class with him that I just didn't like, so I didn't say much. I don't know. You could have been bored stiff. Could have been bored stiff. More pissed off than shy and quiet. Yeah, I had a very bad attitude in high school. No, there was a lot of bad stuff going on in my family life back in those days. Yeah, so I wasn't true. really a very that's happy true. human being. So maybe I was a little sullen. I could have been sullen. <laughs> I think he was mistaken. That was wasn't quiet. I was sullen. <laughs> sullen. <laughs> a whole different deal. Well, there was a Todd Ferrara who went to Golden <laughs> Valley that's High it. School. Todd Ferrara. Todd Ferrara. Not Adam. Adam. Okay. Todd right. Ferrara. That's exactly who it is. Thanks, yeah, Andy. Good there you go. How did you find that out? I just googled Golden Valley High School Ferrara. You're kidding. Everything. Oh, it's amazing how quickly you can find stuff. It's scary. It's scary. scary. Todd had nothing but nice things to say about you. Isn't that pleasant? Uh, Yeah. Now, what do you think the odds are that everybody (laughs) I went to high school would have something nice to say about me? Mm. I don't know. Oh, yeah. L.A. goes. I never never got in any altercations with anybody. I just kind of like. I know. I I just sort of floated through high school. I know no one in my high school would say anything bad about me. I was friends with every. Because my high school was very clicky. You had the jocks. Yeah. Yeah. I was friends with with all of them. That's how I was too. I was a a floater. Yeah, I was a floater too. The only people that I ever got in confrontations with were the homophobes. 
Yeah. And I, I think in the end, well, well, we, didn't, we didn't have that. Your best friend was gay, so that yeah. would have Every, been tough. Everyone yes. In, yes. in our generations was homophobic no. pretty much back then. Well, nobody so? was. Oh, they, just hardly exist. hardly, hardly exist. anyone was. Yeah. I don't remember. Gay at that point. And anyone. anyone used the word gay as. That's gay. Oh, you're gay. Yeah, that's true. Not in our high school. Your high school is. Or junior high. Middle that, school. Middle school. That yeah. was bad. Oh Everyone that. in middle school was calling everything gay. There are no worse people in the world than middle school. That's yeah. true. Yeah, <laughs> middle are. school's tough. tough. Especially middle school boys. Well, kids can oh be. Kids God. can be cruel. Oh, oh no, middle cool. school girls oh. can be cruel. Well, yeah. oh. No, they definitely can be cruel. Yeah. <laughs> girls are cruer than guys. <laughs> Big time. They pick on other girls like yeah, I've never they, seen anything like it. I just yeah, remember walking through high school and listening to the little clickies talk. I know. Yeah. And I would just be like, what the hell is wrong? I literally people? was friends with every group, even the nerds. The, <laughs> oh, was, it was, we had different cliques in our school. Yeah. I think I ended up settling with more with the heads. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. they were more into music, so I kind of drifted that way. Plus, they could get you drugs. That's the other part. Uh, I didn't do drugs in school. You're a liar. I didn't. Right. I, didn't, right. I didn't do drugs till I was way out of school. Uh, that's one thing about high going to Rogers High School is there was one click, and that's hunting, fishing people. Yeah. No, there were like jocks, jocks. and there jocks. were stoners. There were, but they were, there. All, well, they were all still part of the greater, you know. Your sports teams rural. were very bad. And, and just starting, because the high school had just started. It was, it was new. built, yeah, yeah the year. So they didn't have any dedicated. Now, yeah, it's that huge That school was just ridiculous. Our, ours was really It's like too. Taj Mahal, man. Yeah, it's and so... really quality built. Like, somebody spent a lot of money building yeah, that it was stuff. A, yeah, it was a really nice building. Oh, it's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Now they, they did a really a good job. They arts center, and they got all kinds of stuff. Well, they're the only high school in how many miles? Elk River. Well, because everyone, one. Yeah, yeah, all the right. pe- all the people before that had to go to Elk River and Zimmerman. Oh, there that's was a big high school. Between the two. Now, they, had the, they had the junior high right across the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing that sucks about it is when school's let now, all the cars trying to oh, turn God. it, you can't get past. I remember driving to school, it's and like nightmare. we lived so close to it. And just yeah, I walked dealing home from with, school several times. Yeah, yeah absolutely. dealing that's with driving walk. there. Was, it's two miles. Yeah, it's a long walk. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing. I was just thinking about this, but, you know, talking about the, you know, the, the homophobe thing and all the rest of it. But, the homophobe thing. Well, I mean, early in my life, I had, uh, you know, had an agent by the time I was 18 years old. And pretty much every male agent I ever had, no matter what city I was in, was gay. So I was around gay men a lot from the, the time, you know. I lived in West Hollywood, so I was around gay men a lot, too. Right, like, exactly. Everywhere you were. Yeah, went. a lot of the time, like back then, the only safe place for gay men especially was like in arts yeah that probably true. believe it or not so. out in the middle of nowhere a lot of gay men moved to north dakota in the middle of nowhere in alaska to be left alone to be left alone yeah i can see it that just like it was common get in married and live your life or yeah, something yeah. yeah just be out in the middle of nowhere yeah. i just it's so weird because in high school i don't remember anybody being like overtly or like Maybe he's gay. I just don't remember. We didn't yeah. have, yeah. I didn't have any. Not My best friend's sister either. was is is gay and definitely thought she probably was gay through high school, but she right. never. Nobody ever. None of my high school came a, out. Came out to be gay. No, they probably, didn't come out. Yeah, they probably just they didn't come been, out. They could have been, but they never. Yeah. Nobody came out. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah, I don't think it was. It just never really came up all that much. We had our own, you know, group of people. <laughs> I just realized, and I can't really talk about why I was thinking about this, and Catherine, you can't even mention it either. I but, will. Uh, there are 30 people that I went to 7th and 8th grade with, 30 guys, well, 30 people. And uh, I just found out something. There are five of us left. Oh, yeah. The other 25 are dead. And a lot of them died very young. A couple yeah. of them committed suicide. Good Lord. That's not, that's not unusual for... For your elderly one, status. Yeah. <laughs> one was, this is my favorite one, though, and I don't mean favorite as it was good that it happened because it wasn't, but he was doing time in the penitentiary, oh. and he apparently pissed somebody off, and apparently uh, during the the prison yard softball game, he rounded third and never made it home. Oh. They just killed him right as he was rounding third, stabbed him right in the chest, yeah. apparently. What kind of baseball game is this? Well, it's a, it's a prison, <laughs> prison baseball game. That'd be a, that'd be a big hit sport. Yeah, yeah, really. Talking about that, my friend Joyce, I remember when she told me that her sister, she's like, well, I need to tell you something. This is like three years after high school. Joanne is gay. And I'm like, 
Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. Very aware of it. And that. she's like, oh, you don't have a problem with that? I'm like, I kind of thought she was yeah, like, for a while. Been pretty obvious. Yeah, kind of obvious. And she's like, oh, thank God. So why would why does anybody get so whipped? Look, unless <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think it, when I was going to school that anyone was homophobic. I think just words got popularized, like yeah, saying, "Yeah, right, hey, oh, that's yeah, right. gay." Well, one of the and, uh... and, and, and remember, gay was was has a definition before it does. Gay. Right, gay <laughs> I mean, means happy. It meant happy. Yeah. Oh, all the songs yeah. from like a lot of the songs from the forties. 40s and 50s. And they still use, use the word gay. For oh, they yeah. still use it in plenty of countries. Yeah, but still yeah. saying, saying like, have a gay time. Saying yeah. like, yeah. oh, that's gay is yeah. bad. Though. Yeah. That's saying yeah. like, oh, that's dumb. Or, fags, I remember in, yeah. in middle school, in, in middle school uh, one of the boys yeah. who was most well known for calling everything gay and being, you know, that kind of guy. He was gay. Yeah, turned out yeah. gay. That, yeah. we, that, had sev- I, yeah. we had it several people. The word people. didn't mean anything to us. We just no, said it then, because that's what everyone said. Right. Back then, the word didn't mean anything. We no. had several people from our high school. There was only there were there was one lesbian and one gay. I want to say man, but he was not a man because we were in high school. Boy. Yeah. And um, I was friends with the gay boy, and then there was yeah the one lesbian, and then yeah I had lunch with her pretty much every day. I was, yeah, I was part of the you know. Well, she was like a goth. Yes, she definitely was. Yeah, um, I was part of the. Uh, I don't want to call them weirdo like crowd, outcast, but yeah, kind of I was definitely yeah. like yeah. Um, but then after high school, I feel like five more people between like a couple years came out. Yeah, I still know everyone. I, I went to a very small school, with very small graduating class, oh, yeah. like yeah. like you, like thirty people. Mm-hmm, and I know, I still know every one of them. Not, mm. No one came came out of the closet later. I, I just remember Alex. Andy sits at at lunch with all he like tons of girls all the time. I do. I always. <laughs> yeah, it was all girls. All the girls with Andy. Girls and Andy. Don't know that. <laughs> Very smart, Andy. Okay, Actually, okay. You say you say that. You no, know, I have a, a lot of my high school friends are dying off right now too. They are. I yeah, mean, it's just like every sad. other week I hear another one passed away. Really? Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah, cancers because oh. 57, 58, you start getting cancers and heart attacks. Yeah, that's true. Heart attacks. Yeah, if you don't my take care of yourself. Oh, absolutely. My age group. If you don't take, most, if you're smoking, if and you drinking, make yeah. it past yeah. sixty-five, you're pretty safe. But. 55 to 65 is when cancers yeah, and heart attacks happen. If you don't take care of yourself, 60 plus or minus five years is when you get taken out. Yeah. But if you're a smoker, that's like pretty much when you're These people weren't, people weren't smokers, and they were, right they were all in pretty good shape. They all got cancers. Yeah, it does mm-hmm. happen. We have to take a break, and then when we come back, Alex, you had something you have to talk about? Yes, I do. Okay, we'll be back with our two.